Good morning, everybody. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Come on, the sun is shining. I'm so thankful for that. Amen. Weather is turning. We know the cold will give us one last slap before summer comes, but at, lo- at least it's the last one. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so... Um, this morning I want to jump right in. I'm going to do something today that I've never done before in the history of our church. So both Pastor Gerda and myself felt that the message I preached on 52 July is a special message. <clears throat> Unfortunately, that message was not able to stream um, uh, or to be recorded. And immediately after that, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart that the next opportunity I get, I should preach it again. And you're the lucky people that are going to hear it again. I know some of you were here, but um, every message comes out different. So, <laughs> so with all the controversy surrounding tithing, I really feel that this message is a clear and concise answer to the critics. Uh, you know, and it's also a great encouragement to those of us who want to please God. Now, if you want to see where God is moving, have you ever wondered what God's busy with? Just look at where the devil is attacking. Isn't that true? You know, in the area that he's attacking you in now is the area that God is busy moving and going to give you a breakthrough in. How many of you understand that? Isn't that good? Right? So, um, you know, after I preached this message, I got attacked in my health like never before. It was literally a fight for my life. And, um, you know, that is because the enemy is afraid of people hearing this message. Because it means victorious living for you. Amen? So, I believe this message is really filled with revelation that God gave me. And I want to thank our church that you've received this message, those of you who are here with grace and maturity. So I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pick up where I left with the message the week before. So you can go and, um, I don't know what that date will be, it, if it was the 30th of July, it would most, most probably be the 23rd of July. And, oh, wow, my math is not that bad today. I can preach. Okay. <laughs> You know, I've got a PhD, past high school with difficulty. So I'm like, so I'm going to pick up, I I want to encourage you, if you've not seen or heard that message, go and watch it. Because this one picks up from that. So we were talking about the doctrine in, in our series called Foundations, the doctrine of tithing. And we said that the tithe starts with Jesus. We also say that Jesus is the one who receives the tithe. And then we said that the tithe speaks. And if you go and listen to that message, even if you've heard it, go and listen to it again. You know, tithing is like dishes for teenagers. They know they should do it. But it's like you you have to ask them at least once a week. You know? Once a day, sorry, for the boys. Isn't that true? Everybody's looking at me like, nobody likes dishes. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> so let's get into it. So, um, Time Magazine wrote an article 
on Monday, July 30th, 1945. Can everybody hear me? My mic just did something weird. Was it? Oh, it's the speaker. Okay. Now raise it from the dead. Let's quickly do a miracle there in Jesus' name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Perry Maiden performed an experiment. Everybody can hear me, right? Is my sound coming through on the stream? Cool. Um, Perry Maiden performed an experiment that was publicized all over America to prove that tithing was the key to prosperity. He decided to plant a cubic inch of weed and each year tithe the increase. Henry Ford heard about the experiment and became interested. He furnished the land and equipment to harvest the crop. Quickly watch this video with us. The most spectacular religious story of our generation, a great dramatic living proof of an old biblical lesson, was born in the little American town of Tecumseh, Michigan. Inspired by a sermon in his local Quaker church, Harry Hayden, a flour miller of Tecumseh, Michigan, set out to demonstrate the biblical truth of tithing. Hayden started with a cubic inch of wheat, which he planted in a tiny plot four feet by eight feet. A year later, he harvested the crop, paid 10% tithe to his church, and replanted the balance. He repeated this for six years. The final harvest required 2,666 acres and amounted to 72,150 bushels of dynamic kernels of wheat. It required the land of 276 farmers, representing 30 different faiths and creeds. If continued for 10 years, it would cover the entire United States. And in 13 years, it would cover the whole globe. Wow, isn't that amazing? You see, God is into multiplication. Amen? God multiplies. Remember, in the beginning of the church, He said He added to the church daily those who were being saved. Remember that? Right? And as we move into the dispensation of the epistles, it says that God multiplies. Amen. God wants to bring multiplication to your life. Think of all the good things in your life if that's being multiplied. How many of you would feel a bit better? How many of you would look a bit better? Okay, just making sure. How can something so simple and so small make such a huge difference? Family, because God instituted it. Not man, God. You see, when the church preaches on tithing, you must, you must never think that we're asking for money. We are preaching a biblical truth. There's a huge difference. Amen? Like any other truth in Scripture, like any of the sacraments, like when I'm preaching on love, or when I'm preaching on faith, or when I'm preaching on grace, it is a biblical truth. Amen. So for those who ask why the church must talk about money, the answer is easy. We follow after Jesus' example. Jesus preached on money frequently. In fact, within the framework of his central message, the kingdom of God, money was the number one subject. He talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. 11 of his 39 parables mentions money. In Luke's gospel, one out of every seven verses mentions money. 
Whether he used the word money, wealth, or treasure, Jesus spoke on finances approximately 25 times in all four Gospels. I wonder if he would have gotten criticized today. You're so quiet. I'm going to start telling dad jokes. If you don't say amen or love, or at least then, then you're going to have to endure that torture, okay? My daughter will come up and beg you. Please, just say amen. Why did Jesus preach on money so frequently? Why do you think? I believe his motivation was love. How many times a day do you, in some form or way, think about money? Isn't that true? Don't you think Jesus is interested in what occupies your mind? Obviously he's interested. And if it's an area of fear, if it's an area of uncertainty, don't you think he wants to minister peace to that area of your thought life amen if we think about it so much why not talk about it why not talk about it in church i want to encourage every parent that it's it's like the issue of sex talk to your children so that they don't hear at school what you were supposed to taught them teach them right be comfortable about it Amen. You see, but it's only uncomfortable if we not delivered in that area. You see, money is the number one identifiable cause of divorce in America, which impacts at least 50% of marriages. Statistics in South Africa looks a bit worse. I think our divorce rate is standing at 70%. Money is the number one cause of stress, stress and worry in an average person's life. You see, Jesus didn't preach on money because he didn't know how to feed the 12 fishermen on a daily basis. He preached about money because he cared for people. Amen? Come on, family. Because he cares for people. Have you noticed if you've got money, it bothers you? If you don't have it, it also bothers you? <laughs> How many of you have been waiting for a payment and you've already spent that money? You see. <laughs> I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that with it. You don't have to be rich to obsess about money. You can be poor and obsess about money called the lotto okay so <clears throat> people will stand in those queues buy those tickets but if they walk into home affairs ach dear, you know then we don't want to stand in a queue but you'll stand in it for a lotto ticket isn't that true oh it's getting so quiet in our ex-casino church family jesus loves people jesus loves you I want to say this, that money is not amoral. It's not. I know there's a teaching, and a lot of my friends will preach it. They will take out a hundred rand. I don't have one because I've got three teenagers. Um, so you're going to have to use your imagination. Imagine this is a wad of money. <laughs> Poor pastor. <laughs> my boy, he carries like, he carries it in rolls like this 
since he started becoming a coffee magnet. You know, yeah. <laughs> so imagine this is money. So people will say, money is neither good or bad. It depends in whose hands it is. Well, if that were true, why do we obsess over it? Whether we good or bad people. Jesus called money by a name. He called it mammon. He says, if you're not faithful in unrighteous mammon, who can entrust to you the true riches of the kingdom? True riches meaning souls, people. Right? He called it unrighteous mammon. So it's not amoral. When money is not made holy, it will rule your time. It will rule your relationships, your thoughts, and every aspect of your life. Isn't that true? Well, Pastor, I don't know about that. Then why are you going to work tomorrow morning? Why are you going to be on time for work tomorrow morning? <laughs> if money did not, <laughs> did not rule your time. You should see your faces from this side. Um, why are you fighting with your spouse about money? Why are you feeling resentment in your heart on how money is spent? Hmm? God gave us a blueprint of how to deal with money in a practical way and on this earth. Because remember, family, when He created us in the Garden of Eden, we didn't need money. So thank you, Jesus. Everything was provided for. Everything was there. Everything was there in abundance. And I want to say this to you, that's God's heart for you is abundance. God's heart for you is not just enough. Please, please settle that in your heart. That's why David wrote, he says, my cup runs over. He didn't say just enough. It runs over. When he created Adam and Eve and they, he placed them in the garden, he said, of all these trees you may eat except for one. If God was stingy, He would have said, you can eat from that tree, but the rest, leave it alone. I don't know what's growing on it. Right? But He said, the avo tree, leave alone. The rest, you can eat of. Amen. The salad tree. <laughs> Come on. So God's heart for you is for abundance. And we will see that tithing is your key to abundance. I said, tithing is your key to abundance. It's there for your benefit. It's a testament of God's grace. So when we talk about tithing in the New Testament, no book better explains it than the book of Hebrews because it's got everything to do with Jesus. Amen? Let's go then. Hebrews 5. We're going to read from verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify Himself to become high priest, but it was, said, but, uh, it was He who said to Him, You are My Son. Today I have begotten you. And as he also says in another place, you are a priest forever. Say forever. Remember that. You are a priest forever. Not for a season of time, not for four years, and then maybe we elect you for another four years. He says you're a priest forever. That's very important. According to what? According to the order of Melchizedek. 
Now, I know we live in South Africa, we're in the West Rand, and when I say Melchizedek, we all switch off. Like, yes, that's a big name. Say it, Melchizedek. You see, you can do it. It's a little less awkward now, isn't it? It's a weird name, but this dude is the king to New Testament tithing. So you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Of, we have, of whom we have much to say. And hard to explain. He says, you see, it's, it's hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing. That is the, that is the Greek word, norphos. Meaning lazy, <laughs> stupid, sluggish. Resisting the word in a rebellious way. Translated that they are not open to hear deeper truths. Here's the key. You want to know where they, why there is such an attack on New Testament tithing? Not from the world. From within the church. Because of this word. They have become dull of hearing. They have become resistant to the word in a rebellious way. So family, I've seen, you, you Google this. <coughs> or you, <laughs> don't do this, but I'm going to tell you now. If you're on YouTube and you search New Testament tithing, there are so many people like, why you don't have to tithe? And why the tithe is, it's because of this word, Norfos. They've become rebellious. Because you really have to ignore so much to come to this conclusion. And why do you think, why do you think the devil wants to do it? Because he wants to steal from you. So don't destroy your life just because somebody wants to be popular on the internet. Amen. Study the word and that's what we are doing now. For though by this time, he says, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles, the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. I want to say to you, the diving issue is actually milk. It's, 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 it's not solid food. It, it should be settled in our hearts. We should know what it's all about. Amen. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Amen. So family, we want to be skilled in the word of righteousness. I would much rather teach you on your righteous standing before God than having to have go over this over and over and over again. Amen. And this is what he's saying. He says, for he is a babe, not meaning a hot chick. He's a... Really, pastor, did you just refer to women as chicks? Hmm? What's happening in this church? Just calm down. That was just a joke. There's only one hot babe here and it's my babe. Amen. So, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, he says, if you can understand this truth of Melchizedek, say Melchizedek, you are a mature believer. 
And tithing is a maturity issue. We don't want to be unskilled in the word of righteousness, do we? We don't want to go back to milk, do we? No, come on. Once you've tasted steak, you want solid food, right? Come on. So here's several truths that we get from, from, from the truth of Melchizedek about tithing. Number one, tithing is a New Testament truth that brings protection, say protection, for God's people. What does tithing do? It brings protection. Okay? And I'm not going to even go to Malachi. You'll see. I'm not even going to go to Malachi where he says he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. We're not even going there today. So the tithe is pre-law. What is pre-law? That means before Moses. What did Moses bring? What is Moses known for? Yes, for, for the Ten Commandments, the Mosaic Law. Right? And the argument is that, well, if you, uh, you know, if you preach tithing, you put people back under the law. It's impossible because the tithe came way before the law. Way before the Levitical law, and we're gonna, we, we'll see that now. It, ex it existed before Moses. Moses didn't in institute the law. He didn't come down with the tablets and say, you shall tithe. Right? But as the Mosaic law was introduced, and that's a whole nother teaching, right? There was a Levitical tithe. So that is tithing under the law. But we are not under tithing under the law. Because we're not under a Levitical priesthood. <coughs> Does that make sense? The Levites were the priests. Okay? So, we are under tithing under the order of Melchizedek. We just read that. So, under the Melchizedek priesthood, which by the way, what did we read? Is forever. That tells me... <laughs> That tithing can never fall away as long as we're on this earth. Because it's under the Melchizedek priesthood, which is forever. We just read that, remember? Amen. Let's go to Genesis 14. Let's go to this. Let's go to the story of Melchizedek. Genesis 14, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And what did Abram do? And he gave him a tithe of all. Family, if you want to, if you want to live a truly blessed and generous life, Go back to where it started. Remember the law of first mention is a law of hermeneutics. It's a law of Bible interpretation. If you want to see something in its purest form, you go to where it was first, the first time mentioned in Scripture. Amen? Does that make sense? Okay. So, first of all, we need to look at the context of this passage. Abraham took 318 of his servants. You know what's coming. Come on, you know what's coming, right? What? Who's? There we go. Yes. To save his nephew, Lot, was a lot of trouble. We all have a nephew. That's a lot of trouble, don't we? 
Come on, you're thinking of someone in your family now. <coughs> I won't. I won't. Okay. So he took 318 of his servants. He just defeated four kings who kidnapped Lot and his family. 318, not soldiers, not Navy SEALs, not Rekis, not part of the Mossad, <laughs> servants. He defeated four kings. That tells you something. God is with this dude. Amen? Maybe you feel like that in your business. Maybe you feel like that in your work. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you feel like this thing I'm battling is, is way too much for me, Pastor. But I want to say to you, God is on your side. God will do the impossible in your life. He leaves the possible to us. But He does the impossible. Amen. Isn't that amazing? So, obviously, Abraham and his, and his boys were tired. Right? Now, he was being approached by the king of Sodom. It's always when we are tired. The devil is never going to wait until you're strong to come and tempt you. He's going to come when you're tired, when you're down and out, when you are sick, when you are miserable. That's when he comes because he's an unfair devil. So that's why my wife and I, we've got an acronym, HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Then you need to HALT. Amen? Stop. Something I heard when I was in Bible college. Hungry? Ever said something you regretted when you were hungry? I do that every day. <laughs> What's for dinner, honey? But yet don't. Then my wife was, didn't I just feed you like half an hour ago? Yes, but I'm a big boy. Amen? <laughs> hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Then watch out. So, Abraham, <coughs> excuse me, was tired. Now he's being approached by the king of Sodom. And if you read between the lines, you will see how the king of Sodom came with a proposal that would have seemed lucrative to most people. But it was a spiritual decision. Right? Because he wanted, he says, listen, and we're going to read it now. I don't want the goods. Give me the people. Give me the people. <coughs> Excuse me. He wanted to rule the people, not the goods. And family, there is a contention. The whole issue of tithing, please listen to me, is an issue of who's ruling the people. Because whoever's got the money's got the influence. <laughs> Why do you think Hollywood is so huge? Because the money is there. The influence is there. And the king of Sodom came because they can push their agenda on your children. They can make cartoons and stuff which might seem innocent to you, but they are pushing an agenda on people and the whole battle 
is a battle for souls. It's not just a physical battle. Amen. When it comes to money and people, it is always spiritual. Why do you think every month you go through the same thing? Should I really tithe this month? Come on, my budget says, you know, and this thing happened and that thing happened. And there's always a test. And you always wonder. Why do you think that is? It's because it's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. But before the king of Sodom could wheel and deal with Abraham, who showed up? Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek comes, and remember Melchizedek is Jesus. We're going to read that now. And what did he bring him? He brought him bread and wine. How did Abraham respond? By giving him a tithe of all the spoils of war that he got from the battle. Now after, after this exchange with Melchizedek, Abraham was protected. He was refreshed to deal with the king of Sodom. Let's read it. Genesis 14. We're going to read from verse 21. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons. Every time. When you get your money in and the enemy is like, should I really tithe? Should I tithe on the net or the crows? He's saying to you, give me the persons. Amen. And take the goods for yourself. I don't worry about the golf clubs. I don't worry about all the toys. I don't worry about any of those things. About your causes. You can keep that. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I've raised my hand to the Lord God most high the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you say, I've made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten. <coughs> after these things, say after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abram, watch this promise, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham said, look, you gave me no offspring. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one will come from your own body shall be your heir and there God gives him the promise of his son you see when Abraham responded with the tithe God took care of him get this spirit soul and body do you know you've got three gauges in your life three gauges you are spirit soul and body and maybe your body is okay you just came from holiday your tank is full, right? But spiritually, you've neglected your devotional time. That means that spiritually, you're on empty or on half. Or maybe you've just went through trauma. You've had a difficult couple of years. You went through some stuff. And you're here every Sunday. So spiritually, you are full. But your soul gauge is empty. Does that make sense? You need to refresh. You need to go and do something. You, and maybe that's when you need a holiday or 
go for a mountain bike ride with Gareth. No, don't go. <laughs> you look like you want to torture somebody, bro. <laughs> you know, or do something. Get a hobby. Amen? But God took care of him, spirit, soul, and body. Melchizedek brought Abraham bread and wine. What does that represent? The Holy Communion. Amen. What does that produce? The Holy Communion produces health and wholeness, family. So what, what king of Sodom is coming against your marriage today? What enemy is coming against your children? What enemy is coming against your peace? Come on. You know, family, um, when couples struggle in marriage, a legitimate question that a counselor should ask them is, are you tithers? So it should be one of the first questions. Why? Because it brings protection. And maybe as a couple, you are struggling this morning with some stuff. Maybe you're watching at home and you're like, right, Pastor, that is me. How about having communion together? How about starting having communion together as a married couple? Bring Jesus into the center of your marriage. Celebrate what He has done for you. When you go over that budget together, instead of fighting, it's like, let's honor God first. Let's dive. And then, I promise you, you will see money left over at the end of the month. Because God will do much more with your 90% than what you can do with 100%. I, I, I heard a preacher say this uh, this week, that God will never ask us to do something that's possible. You know that? He'll never ask you to do something that's possible. He'll do the impossible, but He'll never ask you to do something that's possible. And the illustration that He's used was brilliant. So Lazarus died. Remember Lazarus in the New Testament? One of Jesus' friends. So the sisters call for Jesus like, Jesus, come. Lazarus is sick. So eventually, Jesus stayed a bit longer. Maybe he was here in the West Rand. You know, people like, no, I have another bride. Jesus. <laughs> you know? And he stayed longer. Lazarus died. Four days, he's dead. Jesus was moving on African time that time. Amen. Four days, he's dead. That means the blood is dead. Everything is dead. He's in a tomb. They, he, Jesus asked him, take me to the tomb. They roll away the stone. He says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, Lazarus is already strapped like he's already wrapped up meaning he can't he can't even breathe he gets up comes out of the, out of the tomb don't know how he walked like right comes out of the tomb 
Did Jesus do the impossible? Yes. But why didn't he start with stone be rolled away? Because that's possible for us to do. Amen. We can roll away the stone. You earn your salary. You could go to work every day. Jesus said, trust me with the impossible. <laughs> Amen. So you go to work, you earn, because that's people's argument. Hey, pastor, I work hard for my money. You must understand, I work hard for my money. I work nice with my money. I've got all my spreadsheets and everything. Shall we ask God, you know, just to take his hand off your workplace? Of your job, of your business? Never. He gives you the breath to go to work every day. Your part is to show up. That's possible. He says, trust me. Just give me 10%. I will do the impossible. Come on now, family. Amen? So a legitimate question is, what's coming? What king of Sodom is coming against your marriage? You know, for those who say that tithing is not under the dispensation of grace, should we stop using the communion as well? Never. Never. So what does a tithe produce? Blessing. Amen. Anytime God uses that word blessing, I want to be part of whatever he's doing. How about you? Is Abraham the father of our faith? Yes. Does the Bible say that we are blessed with the blessings of Daniel? Thank goodness, no. Otherwise, we might have been, you know, in a cave with lions every time. The, the, the blessings of David? No. The blessings of Solomon? No, not even Solomon. We are blessed with the blessings of Abraham, Galatians 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon those. Amen. And Abraham came to God with his hands full. Here's the second thing. In God's eyes, ten represents the whole. Ten represents the whole. Abraham responded with giving how much? Ten. Ten percent. Ever wondered why Abraham gave ten percent? Not three percent, not seven percent, not twelve percent. Say thank you, Jesus. Amen. That would have been difficult to work out, wasn't it? <laughs> Amen. What, what was the revelation he had? Now, this is something that's going to change your life. Hebrews 7 verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. For anyone who argues tithing is gone. No, he remains a priest continually, and we are under the order of Melchizedek. Amen. <clears throat> now consider... How great this man was to whom even the patriarch, Abraham, gave a tenth of the spoils. 
Family, the tithe is part of your worship. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It is to declare how great Jesus is, we established in a previous message. Now, our main characters are very significant. Abraham, father of our faith, we've established that. Melchizedek appears only in three books in the Bible. In Genesis, which is the greatest book in the Torah, the first five books, the law. In Psalms, which is the greatest of the poetry books, in Psalm 110 verse 4. And then we see him again in Hebrews. And Hebrews is the heart of the epistles because it combines both Jews and Gentiles in the faith in Jesus Christ. It ties the old and the new covenant together. That's why we find the tithe in Hebrews. Does that make sense now? Amen. So when God spends so much time on Melchizedek, we should study this man. I believe it's for those who want to prosper for his glory. Watch this. I'm going to show you a glimpse of how God sees things. What on earth does 10% have to do with declaring how great God is? Ever wondered? Why 10? Why 10%? Romans 11 verse 16. We find it there first. For if the first fruit, say first fruit, is holy, the lump, the rest of it, is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. <laughs> so here's the thing. Israel brought the first fruits of the harvest to the temple, always. Amen. And this is a standalone principle that, that Paul speaks about. So he says, listen, if the first 10% is holy, the rest is also holy. Amen. So God says, if you bring the first of your income, the first 10% of your income, if you bring that to me, I see the rest of it as holy. It's not unrighteous mammon anymore does that make sense i see the rest as holy what is holy holy means set apart to god so if the first thing is set apart to god the rest is also holy and what is holy family the devil cannot touch the devil cannot touch it Amen. So if you give your first fruit, your tithe unto God, the devil cannot touch the rest of your income. And that's why God can take that 90% and stretch it so far that Madiba cries, the lion cries, the leopard cries on it, everybody cries because God is making it go so much further. Amen. So let's go back to Abraham. So Abraham sent his trustworthy servant to find that's much later on in his life. A son, uh, um, to find his only son a wife. And we find this principle. Watch this. Genesis 24, just to illustrate. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed. And all his master's goods were in his hand. Now for a moment it might look like 
the writer contradicted himself. Because if the servant took all of Abraham's goods, what was Abraham left with? I'm going to stay in the Holiday Inn because this dude took my, took my tent and everything. What are, how am I going to get there? I'm going to have to Uber because he took all my camels. No, that's not what happened. And we know that was so much funnier than what you laughed at it. Oh, my word. Are you guys still awake? Still here? I'm going to finish up now, I promise. Next two, two three hours. Then I'm going to be... So <laughs> just lock the doors, ashes. <laughs> so, Abraham was rich in all things. Genesis 24 says, God blessed Abraham, verse 1, in all things. This dude had so much livestock. He got so rich that his surrounding neighbors asked him to leave the area because they felt threatened by him. Can you imagine being that blessed? So how is it possible that he, that he said that all his master's goods were in his hand? How can all his master's goods be, be in his hand? Because he was so rich. Because 10 represents to God all. Because remember, he said, then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed. And to that, in their minds, it represented everything. Does that make sense? Those were the camels then that this lady gave water to. And there's a whole nother message there as well. So I even double-checked in the original Torah. The Jewish rabbis translated this. Ten represented the best things his master owned. Does that make sense? So in God's eyes, if you give him 10%, that represents the best that you've got. Isn't that amazing? If you tithe out of your business, you say, God, this is my best. I'm giving this to you. How can God not bless your business? Well, well, Pastor, if I should get, you know, give 10%, you don't understand how much. It represents to God your best. It is not the amount. It is what it represents to God. Come on, family. Amen. And if God, listen, if God takes your turnover from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands, isn't, isn't that a blessing? Now you start tithing and your tithing is in the tens of thousands. Guess what's going to happen next? God's going to promote you. You're going to go to the hundreds of thousands. And then the millions. And then your turnover is going to be even more than that. Don't you think that's part of God's plan to bless His house? Not for you to go, I can't tithe this to the church. What are they going to do with it? It's not yours. It's His. And obviously God has increased you to that level because God knows that His church needs that. Why? Because it's about souls. So don't ever be so presumptuous and arrogant to try and withhold that what belongs to God. But I believe that if God starts blessing you like that, you will not struggle with a poverty mindset. 
because that's how a poverty mindset argues, isn't it? Come on. Right? Family, we so many times come to God with good intentions. God, if you bless my business, if you bless my family, I'll give you everything, God. <laughs> God says, I don't want everything. Ten represents the whole. Give me ten percent. Amen? God doesn't require you to give everything because He knows us. He just says, give me 10%. That represents your best. Even in the tithe, we see His grace. Because we're not going to give ourselves, are we? Okay. Can you imagine? God, please. I'm in so much trouble. Help me. I'll give you everything. Okay. Who said that? Who said that? Ish. Where can I hide? Then out the leaves come, like Adam and Eve, and we hide in the bush. <laughs> Amen. Adam, where are you? <laughs> um, I heard a voice, God. <laughs> Amen. Don't tell me you can, you'll give him everything. It's like, it's like telling your spouse, I'll die for you. I love you, baby, so much. I'll die for you. Yes, but will you live for her? And that's what the dive is all about. Will you live for her? Will you change for her? Don't go quiet on me now. Will you become a better man for her? Come on now, guys. Don't go. Where's the amens, bro? Huh? Amen. Now you're on record. <laughs> Anybody else want to volunteer? <laughs> so even in the tithe, we see God's grace towards us. He paid our sin debt that we could never pay. You know God owns us. We owe Him everything. And even in that, He says, just worship me with 10%. I will count it as everything. Here's my last point. Tithing blesses your future generations blesses your future generations Hebrews 7 verse 8 says here mortal men receive tithes where is this here on earth mortal men who's that the church receives tithes but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives even Levi who receives tithes because remember Levi was he, from him came the Levitical priesthood. In the Old Testament, they tithe, and the tithe went to take care of the tribe of Levi. That's how it was used. And that's the model on which the church is built as well. Amen? So, even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. No, no, no. Levi was a descendant of Abram. So here it says that Levi paid tithes through Abram, so to speak. How is that possible? Because he just said he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. It means that God is a generational God. Tithing is generational. Tithing is timeless. So tithing affects your children, your children's children. Your grandchildren, do you know that they will be blessed? Look at the Jewish, uh, the, the Jewish people. 
look at them today still. Why are they so blessed? Have you noticed how blessed they are? Such a small nation. Do you know that the most uh, winners of the Nobel Peace Prize are Jewish people? Facebook, Jewish. WhatsApp, Jewish people who invented that. There's so many things. All your major movie studios, Jewish people. Why is that? Why is such a small nation so blessed? Out of proportion. It just tells us. This is still the residue of the mosaic blessing. Amen? Does that make sense? Family, the same Hebrews who just taught us, tells us, watch this, we've got a better covenant established upon better promises. That tells me that before Jesus raptures his church, his church needs to be in a place where we are even more blessed than the Jews so that we can provoke them to jealousy, Scripture says. But here we go, we listen to some YouTube person who's got no relationship, no accountability, and all these things are spreading no, but Pastor Creflo Dollar said, I don't care. He's not your pastor. Amen. But 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 so and so said, I don't care. You've seen from scripture yourself how undeniable this truth is. And I believe that it's opened up scripture for you this morning. This teaching. And I'm adamant as the pastor of this church that we will grow. That we will become well established. That we will become a rich church. So that we can make a difference in our city. Even if it has to start in Kruger's Dorp. I don't care. But from here we'll start a movement. That will change the world. Because I'm silly enough. Naive enough. Call it what you will. Enough to believe the word of God. That our days of struggling are over. And guess who, who God is going to use? You. So here's what I want to say to you as your pastor. Prophetically, start preparing for the blessing. Even, but, but pastor, the economy is falling apart. You don't understand. I don't care. We are from the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors of the kingdom. Start preparing for blessing unlike you've ever experienced in your life. If you will take God at His word, I promise you, blessing will come your way. And listen, when God starts blessing you, don't be foolish. As I've seen over the years. We've had people, we just started a church. No, I need a job, I lost my job. We pray. People get headhunted by big, massive corporations. Next Sunday, they're not in church anymore. No, I'm too busy. Too busy with what? You don't work over weekends. <laughs> then people will leave. Don't be that. Don't be the village idiot, please. Okay? Use, use your brains. Use your common sense. <laughs> I mean, if God blesses you, run closer to God, not away from Him. But you know why we run away? Because, oh, this is not going to last. This is not going to last. No, run closer to God. 
How many of you believe before the end of this year you will make 10 times more? Come on, trust Him. Isaac sowed in the midst of a famine and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. You're not going to do it through the lotto. Stop playing that nonsense. Man, tithe on that money. Don't do it the world's way. Do it God's way. But pastor, how? It's not your, it's not your worry how it's going to happen. Maybe God sends you after four kings and say, go and buy those businesses. How, God? Just go there. Roll away the stone. I'll make sure Lazarus comes forth. Hmm? How many of you believe that he can send you extra streams of income in pounds and in dollars? Not Zimbabwean dollars. Real dollars. Amen. In yen. In whatever currency. He can do it, family. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 22, A good man leaves inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for who? Who's the righteousness of God in Christ? Amen. There's, there's some dirty money coming your way. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to make it holy by tithing on it. Amen. Can you imagine human traffickers coming to Jesus because they heard a message online? And all that millions comes to the church. Years ago, can I quickly tell you a story? Years ago, years, years ago, I was in another town, just got born again. And in that town, um, I was on, on part-time staff at the church. And in that town was a very, very um, well-known nightclub and nightclub owner. Scary dude. Somehow, this dude got to hear the gospel. And he would anonymously try to sneak into the church and leave bags of money in front of the church. He started with his silver coins. The poor lady in the office had to count it. <laughs> it took her a week. <laughs> but every month, he started. Eventually, he closed that nightclub. So people ask me, will you take money that was used for this or that? I'll take any money. Because all money is under the spirit of mammon until it reaches this church at these hands. Then we will tithe on it and we will go and save souls with it. Amen. So this dive experiment, we saw how there would be enough food to cover the whole earth. Never mind feeding it. If we adhere to the dive in 13 years. Did you hear that? 13 years. It will cover the whole globe. God's way always blesses future generations. Do you want to, your children to struggle financially one day? No, then dive. Dive. You are blessing them. They're seeing you trust God with income. Do you want them to fight the same financial battles and enemies you had to fight? Dear God, no. So we dive. I quickly want to read this article to you. 
and I'm closing with this, Time Magazine, Monday, July 30th, 1945. Perry Maiden performed an experiment that was publicized all over America to prove that tithing is the key to prosperity. He decided to plant a cubic inch of wheat each year and tithe the increase. So we heard Henry Ford heard about the experiment. He became interested. He furnished the land and equipment to harvest the crop. There's some salvation for Ford drivers. Amen. Oh man, I just I just admitted that. It's never going to be the same. Okay. So on Sunday, September 20, uh, uh, September 22nd, 1940, I heard a message preached on John 12, 24. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Being a miller and being interested in actually proving God in a rather unique way, I was led to do something the following Thursday that has since been heard around all the world. I planted 360 kernels of wheat. That's only one cubic inch that we saw on the video. It takes 2,150 cubic inches to make one bushel. You can see what a small beginning this project had. When we planted the wheat September 26, 1940, on a plot of 4 by 8 feet, <laughs> I told those present that by 1941 we're going to tithe the crop and replant it, making Malachi, taking Malachi 3.10 seriously. That was his first fruits, right? So in 1941, we cut the world's smallest wheat field and immediately we turned over a tenth of the yield to the local Quaker church and replanted the remaining 45 cubic inches in September 1941. In the summer of 1942, we cut the second crop with old-fashioned cradles and found the yield was 55-fold or 70 pounds. Again, we dived the wheat and replanted the remaining 63 pounds on the land um, that for three years in succession had been furnished by Henry Ford, who owned a large farm near the town. In 1943, this acre of land yielded 16 bushels from the one bushel of seed. Henry Ford himself came out to seed the wheat cut and furnished uh, a, and a reaper cut it. Not only that, but Henry again furnished land for the fourth crop. In 1944, this crop on 14 acres yielded 380 bushels. He did this during the Second World War. Isn't that interesting? That sometimes in times of war, when it seems like everything is falling apart, God gives you a revelation for the season to come. And I believe God is giving this church this word for the season to come. God is busy preparing you for prosperity amen henry ford furnished the land for the fifth crop 230 acres we went from what four by eight feet to 230 acres to contain it you guys following in the summer of 1945 a fleet of 40 combines was sent to field uh, to the field by ford the yield from the dynamic kernels was 5,555 bushels. The value of this little crop at market price, at a market price of $1.55 per bushel, was $8,610.25. The tithe of $861.03 went to the Friends Church 
uh, which in turn gave it to a hospital. After Henry Ford had turned over the fifth crop to me, the 5,000 bushels of wheat were sold to approximately 250 farmers in Michigan and nearby states. They had to agree to plant the wheat and in 1946 to pay a tithe of their crop to their own church. In 1946, we expected to harvest $100,000 worth of wheat. This is in 1946. <laughs> All from 360 kernels planted six years before, which for five years have been faithfully tithed. Isn't this amazing, family? And so many of the businessmen of that era heard of this and they became tithers. J.L. Croft of Croft Cheese. He tithed 25% of his income to Christian causes. He said, the only investment I ever made which paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I've given to the Lord. Invest in God's kingdom, the returns are out of this world. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. Lord, this morning, we want to come to you. And maybe you're watching at home and you say to me, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're talking about giving. You're talking about tithing. I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I haven't even given my life to him. My friend, you can do that right now. Right where you are watching, you can do that. How do I do that, Pastor? Do I need to change my life? Do I need to join something? No, my friend. Come to Jesus the way you are. You can't change yourself. Let Him do the changing for you. It's a simple prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Today, I receive the free gifts of grace and righteousness. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, that I can call you Father. My friend, if you've prayed that simple prayer, we believe that you are born again. We believe that God is now your Lord and your Savior, and you don't ever have to fear death again. That if you should blow out your last breath, you'll go to heaven. Please reach out to us on the platform that you are watching this. If, you, if you're listening to our radio program, please reach out to us, and we want to send you some material that you can go and study at home. My friends and family, before we partake of communion, we're going to take up the offering and we're going to do it as an act of worship. Amen? I'm going to ask the ushers if you can come around. For those of you who've got cash, otherwise on your way out, we've got all sorts of means through which you can give. If you're watching at home and you really have been moved by this message, my friend, you can go um, on our website, there's means there, there's snap scan, there's electronic means that you can do this. All our details are available. Amen. Thank you, family. 
part of our worship, and I know I've gone over my time. I only checked the time. Now, I had so much fun with you this morning. I lost track of time. Oh, my butt didn't lose track of time, Pastor. I'm hurting. Okay, just stand to your feet quickly. Stretch. And while you are stretching and doing aerobics, I'm not going to dismiss you. I'm going to call Pastor Quivers to quickly just come and minister the communion to us. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you. May be seated, guys. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Norman, for a, a good message this morning. Can we say amen for that? You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Amen. So even some of us have heard that message for the second time. I picked up a few things this morning from that. So thank you. You know, as we prepare ourselves to uh, partake in the Lord's table this morning, um, and um, just this morning while we were busy worshipping, um, it just came to me and saying, you know, there's so many things that we can be so, full, so grateful for. How many of you are grateful that you are here today? How many of you are grateful that you can breathe? Amen. And so there are many things in our lives that we are, can be grateful for, for what the Lord has done for us. And in Psalm 103, from verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives you, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life, from destructions, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfy your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. This morning as we partake of communion, we're celebrating what Jesus has done for us. And so that we, we don't have to forget the benefits that God has given us. says if who forgives all your iniquities he died on the cross for us and he paid for our iniquities i'm eternally grateful i don't know about you but i'm eternally grateful for what the lord has done for me he paid for my sins that i committed in the past my present day sins but he's also paid for the sins that I'm going to commit in the future. Not that I'm going to keep on sinning, but, but just the thought of saying that he has made a provision and he loves us so much. And so this morning, he says in, in, in Corinthians for us, he says, when he had given thanks, now this morning we're giving thanks. Thanks for what he has done for us broke the bread and says take eat this is my body which is broken for you in remembrance of me so this morning let's partake in the bread and when you partake thank him for your help and if there's issues in your life ask him that he will heal you I think Andrew that's sitting at the back there he's eternally grateful today that he's here today that he's still breathing, that he can still walk. And so therefore we, 
as, as the family I can also be really grateful for that so let's partake and in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink in remembrance of me as I just said this represents the blood of Jesus. And if I just think what the blood of Jesus has paid, I am eternally grateful. And so this morning, we partake of this juice, of this wine. And we say, Lord, we are thankful that you have paid the price. Let's partake. Father God, we're just so grateful today that we know, Lord, that you love us and that we declare today, Lord, that you're a good God. You're an awesome God. We are so grateful today, Lord, that you've made a way for us where there seems to be no way. And so, Lord, we thank you and we honor you for that. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we do have to sit at your table partake and we thank you lord for that in jesus name amen let's welcome pastor gerda as she comes and do the announcements as it was it sorry now you have to look at me again but you can look away from me to the screens for our announcements welcome to the anvil church announcements thank you for joining us in person today Please be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media or signing up for our WhatsApp broadcast list by popping us a message. Our latest newsletter is available and chock full of inspiration and information about what's happening at Unveiled Church. Be sure to grab your copy at the welcome desk. Be a blessing to women and children coming out of abusive situations by supporting the upcoming Handbags of Hope outreach. You can either donate towards the event or serve in person on the day. Inquire at the welcome desk to become involved. On Sunday, the 24th of September, we celebrate our unity in Christ with a unique worship experience starting at 9am and continuing into a Bring and Share Heritage Day feast. There will be prizes for the best dressed, so you're welcome to wear your cultural attire. Sign up at the welcome desk to bring along some of your traditional foods to share. We look forward to a wonderful day of joy and fellowship in the Lord. Come and experience the Lord on Wednesday the 13th of September at our Holy Spirit Fire Midweek Service. See you at 7pm for an evening of worship, prophetic encouragement and ministry prayer. Please help us tidy the hall by dropping your used communion cup in one of the blue buckets at the exit. Do join us for a cup of coffee or tea after the service. Let us take our vision with us as we go. We want to see Jesus Christ unveiled in every heart and every home. Have a fantastic week. Amen. Am I seeing you all at the Heritage Day Feast in your cultural attire? Come on. Come on. You're going to enjoy it. We're going to have a great, great time. Really a blessed time. So we look forward to seeing you all day. Just sit like this. The Lord bless you. Keep you. The Lord makes His face to shine upon each and every one of you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we go into this coming week, Lord, I thank you that every oppression and depression is lifted from our lives. 
I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your joy will mark this week because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Come now and breathe your joy over your people, over everyone under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord, that you keep us and our loved ones safe, safe from harm, safe from any accident or disease, safe from any virus or mutated virus. We thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper because we belong to you. Your favor surrounds us as a shield. I thank you, Lord, for preferential treatment, good treatment wherever we go in this coming week. Thank you for your love towards us. If you believe it, shout amen, somebody. Bless you guys as you go. Thank you.